We are so honored that you chose to join us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. It is our desire that you will be encouraged and challenged in your walk with Jesus. Be blessed as you join us for this week's message. So good to be with you on this awesome winter, sunny morning. Not, but that's okay. God is shining bright in here, and I'm just so glad to be in his house and in his presence this morning. Aren't you? Wasn't baptisms amazing? Man, I love, I love, one of my favorite things to do is to get to baptize people and see the new life that is happening. And today is the day. Today is the end of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I don't know about you, but um, not only do I feel a little bit lighter, but I feel healthier I feel a little bit more in tune with the voice of God. I could hear him clear in my life. And I'm just excited about what God is doing. Can I tell you something? As your pastor, one of the things that we do, we do set time specifically for us to pray and fast. But one of the reasons we do that is so that it whets your appetite for more. How many of you would even say, like, you feel healthier, you feel closer to God, you feel um, just this fresh wind that's come in your life during these 21 days. How many of you would say that's been your experience? And so one of the things that we want to do, uh, the Bible talks about taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, that's exactly what I hoped would happen in my prayer for you during these 21 days, is that you would taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you specifically and intentionally remove some things in your life so that you can seek God and draw closer to Him, that you actually feel closer to him. In other words, um, it isn't God that moved away from us if we never, if we don't feel close to him. It's us that has allowed distractions and things to get in the way of being close to God. And so I hope that this season isn't the end, but I actually hope and pray and I actually believe that today is the beginning. That, that we're not ending 21 days of prayer and fasting today, that we're actually beginning a brand new season of living a life of prayer and fasting, that it would become a lifestyle to us, and that this church would be known as a house of prayer. Amen? And so I'm excited. Today is also our last day of this message series that we've called Helper, and I hope it's been a blessing to you as we've learned to lean in to the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm excited. Uh, next week, we're going to kick off a brand new message series called Addicted to Love. And I really believe that the world has twisted God's definition of what love is. And for many of us, even in the church, it kind of saddens me. And this is, this is no condemnation uh, for those of you who have experienced divorce, but honestly, it kind of saddens me that the divorce rate in the church is as much out in the world. That tells me as a local pastor, uh, Houston, we have a problem. Like, we haven't learned how to love the way God's definition of love is, and we have learned to love through the culture and the world that we've grown up in, through media, uh, TV, social media, everything is trying to tell us what love is, and we've become addicted to this brand of love that isn't God's idea of love at all. And so we're going to help it, I, I'm take a biblical perspective on God's idea of love and what that looks like and how it affects our relationships. And I hope that you come to each and every Sunday during that week because I believe you're going to be blessed. We've got some fun things planned for you, and we're going to try to hit on. I know oftentimes when we do series on love and relationships, those of you who aren't married, you're like, yeah, okay, I won't come to church for a couple weeks. Don't do that. Here's why. We're going to have some weeks where we talk about singleness. How do you walk out your singleness in love and in relationship with God and how he uses those seasons to prepare you? We're going to talk about how divorce affects us and what can happen after that. And so there's going to be a lot. I'm really excited about this message series. I think it's going to be great. So make sure you come and experience what God is doing. And by the way, on Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to have an amazing party here, like we always do. So wear your favorite football jersey. We're going to have some fun Super Bowl snacks and foods and after service and pregame stuff. So it's going to be a good time. So I hope you make it. All right. I'm really, um, I've actually purposely and intentionally saved this message. I've had this message in my hip pocket the whole time, just waiting for this day to bring it to you, because I really believe it's the culmination of everything that we've been talking about as we've leaned in to learn more about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, this helper, as Jesus would call it, that he would send to us this amazing gift. And so if you would do me a favor and turn with your Bibles with me into Galatians chapter 5, 
Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to begin, we're going to begin on verse 13. Now this whole, just to set up this passage for you, this whole passage, I love Paul's title. The whole title of this passage is Life by the Spirit. Life by the Spirit. And, and even to set it up a little bit further, Paul was speaking into some things correctively as an apostle and as a pastor into the church in Galatia. And if you go back a couple of chapters into Galatians chapter 3, uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 3, he says, uh, basically, kind of rebuking the church and trying to get their attention. He says, who has bewitched you, Galatians? He actually calls them foolish. He says, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? In other words, who's tricked you into believing that what began by the Spirit's work in your life, you're now going back to the, trying to follow Christ by going back to the law. In other words, hey, wake up. Oftentimes we experience God moving powerfully in our life. And just like we celebrated baptisms today, where we come back to life and God rescues us, calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's wonderful. One of the reasons I love baptism is just like uh, Pastor Mary Terrell was, was encouraging us to do. is just, hey, remember what you were like and what your life was like before God called you out of that darkness, out of that place. And oftentimes we need to remember that. But what began, Paul is saying, what began as this spiritual work of the Holy Spirit working in your life and birthing new life in you, that needs to continue. Like it doesn't stop after we get saved. And we don't just all of a sudden now try to follow Jesus in our own strength and our own ability and do it by following the law. That is old, dead religion, and it doesn't work. In fact, Paul in Romans would talk about how actually the law produces death in us. It doesn't produce life because it's just a bunch of rules. And, and Paul is trying to get their attention to saying, no, how this started, you need to continue in it. Like this relationship is something that is ongoing work in your life. And so now we pick up in Galatians chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 13. Life by the Spirit. He says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. How many are glad this morning that you're free? Like because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can worship him and we can worship him in spirit of truth and we're free. And part of the problem is, for a lot of us, we don't feel free. But we are free in Christ. And Paul's reminding us that we're called to be free, but then he reminds us that freedom can get us in trouble. <laughs> and there's many... And there's a brand of Christianity that is being preached these days that unfortunately is saying that, you know what, you can do whatever you want, it's okay. Uh, the grace of God is on you, and it's sloppy grace. We're using freedom. Paul earlier would also say that everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. In other words, because of my freedom, I have a lot of freedom in Christ to not follow rules, but Paul is encouraging us that don't take your freedom as an excuse to just do whatever you want to do and indulge in your flesh. He goes on to say this, rather, instead of doing that, serve one another humbly in love. And then he says in, in the next verse, for if you bite and devour, oh, and he goes on, I'm sorry, he says the, for the entire, in verse 14, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you even stop and think about right there, that is impossible to do without the help of the Holy Spirit and the work of God in our life, right? Like, I'm lucky if I could just love my kids, let alone somebody I don't know, my neighbor. And I need a lot of help. <laughs> I need the love of God. And he goes on in verse 14, or 15 rather. But if you... Bite and devour one another. Watch out. You'll be destroyed by each other. So I say that in verse 16, walk by the Spirit. Now, when Paul talks about walking by the Spirit, he's talking about how you live your everyday life. Walking is a metaphor spiritually of step-by-step step what we do in our life daily. And so he says, I say, walk by the Spirit. In other words, live your life by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, this is a really important 
theological implication that Paul is laying a truth bomb on us. Because for many of us, even starting out the new year, we have all these uh, New Year's resolutions. We have goals. We want to change. We want to break old habits. We want to break old sinful patterns in our life. We know that God has called us for something more, and he's called us to be something more, but trying harder is not going to get us there. Paul is saying, actually, the way that you say no to sin isn't by focusing on not sinning. Paul is saying that the way that we not sin is we, we turn our attention onto what God is doing, and we let our yes be bigger than our no. Some of us, this is the problem with sin in our life, is we don't have a big enough yes to say yes to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life, and we just keep focusing on saying no. The sins of omission, what we don't do, and we lose track that there is a sin of commission. Like we have been commissioned for something by God, and because we just don't do sin doesn't make us righteous. That's just the beginning. That's just, just to get us positioned for what God wants to do in your life and the things that he's trying to lead you into that he has things for you to do. You understand that you were made for a purpose and a reason. You were made on purpose for a purpose greater than yourself. And so if you don't have a greater yes, then you know. And this is the problem for many of us. This is why sin has a hold on us. We don't have a greater yes than the no that we're trying to say no to. And Paul gives us this amazing truth that the way that you actually say no isn't by saying no. It's by saying a greater and having a greater yes. He goes on in the next verse, and he talks about this tension that we all live in as believers. He says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you're not able to do whatever you want to do. Now, for some of us, the enemy has been keeping us in a cage of condemnation because we feel this tension. And Paul is trying to free you up and free me up to realize that, no, you, the problem isn't the tension. <laughs> like, if you didn't have that tension, that would be a problem because you're not actually feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you're not feeling this pull by the Holy Spirit. You're just feeling the pull to sin. And so this tension is, is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing that you and I have this tension. And he goes on in verse 18 to say this, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Well, what does that mean? What it means is when we're in religion, we have to follow rules to help us be holy and to stay holy. Paul is saying, when you're led by the Spirit, you don't have to worry about rules because now you've entered into a relationship. And, and engaging in that relationship and being led by the Holy Spirit means you're walking with the Holy Spirit daily in your life, and he's progressively leading you to become more and more like Jesus. And as you do that, you don't have to try not to do the things you don't want to do. It's the same tension that Paul felt in Romans chapter 7. He says, the things I, I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I want to do, I don't do. And he said, oh my gosh, I, I am this wretched man. Who can save me from this sin within me? And he says, thanks be to God for the person of Jesus Christ. And, and what's so cool about that, the Holy Spirit is the conduit the Holy Spirit is the very presence of Jesus. It's the same Spirit that allowed Jesus to have the power to live a sinless life and to do the miracles that he did. And now Jesus said, I'm going to send you the same helper that helped me live a sinless life and do the things that God spoke to me to do and obey him. Now I'm going to send it to you. So the Holy Spirit becomes this conduit between heaven and earth, between God and you, where not only does he give you the power to do it, but he leads you into the things that God has for you. Amen? In verse 19, he says, the acts of the flesh. Now Paul transitions into saying, there's two sides that you get to choose every moment of every day. And he wants us to know, if you choose to live out of your flesh. Now, when Paul talks about the flesh, he's talking about our old sinful nature that we all have to wrestle with. Like, we're, we're born again, we've come back to life, but that old skeleton wants to keep us in the grave or pull us back into the grave, pull us back and hold us 
captive to our old sinful patterns, habits, and way of life. And the Holy Spirit is trying to lead you progressively more and more into that new life that God has for you. More and more into not only the person who God has made you to be, but into the things that God has for you to do. I firmly believe this. I firmly believe that when God created you, I don't care what scientists say, if you believe the Bible, God made you. He created you. He formed you in your mother's womb. Ephesians 10 tells us that you are God's masterpiece. That, that word in the Greek means you're God's poema, that he was writing out your life in a beautiful poem that if you followed him, that it would follow your life. But here's the problem. Just like in Revelation, when there was a baby being birthed, that the dragon, the serpent, was waiting to devour it, the minute that you are born, you are born into this war. You are born into this daily conflict where the enemy of your soul, the devil, is trying to devour what God's plan and purpose is for your life. This is why many of us, many of you in the room, you have experienced uh, an incredible amount of pain and suffering. And all of it is the work of the enemy. Some of you have been abused. You've, you've been through accidents. You've been through terrible experiences that the enemy wants to use to rob, steal, and kill and destroy the work and the plan of God in your life. And so what happens is we are born on purpose. And in God's mind, he created you for something, but the enemy through life beats us up and I believe wants to deform the image of Christ in you. And then it's the Holy Spirit's work as we surrender our lives more and more to him to reshape you like clay in the hands of a potter and to mold you back into, to break things off of you from your path. I firmly believe that uh, just a little while ago, while Pastor Mary Cheryl was up here, she was hearing from the Holy Spirit about some things that God wants to break off in some of your lives today. That there's some things that are hanging on to you like dead weight, holding you back from being able to follow the Spirit. And this is the tension, right? This is the tension that we live in every single day. And so he goes on in verse 20 to, to, to talk about some of the things when we choose to follow our flesh, this is the result. There's fruit that comes out of it. In other words, Sin manifests in our life and through our life. The other day, I, um, I brought some things to the, to the dump, and I was taking some cardboard boxes and put away. I pulled my car up here, and this guy was parked in a truck, and he was walking over with his stuff, and I was walking with the cardboard. I just heard out of the back of my, you know, head, like my ear, that he's, he was cussing me out. Like, I'm like, what's, this guy's an angry little elf. Like, what's wrong with, like... <laughs> <laughs> like, what? He, who peed in his Cheerios this morning? You know, I don't know. But something, like, I, w I just asked the Holy, like, what is this man? He's, he's angry inside. And, and the Holy Spirit said, have grace for him because he's had a hard life. And so when he walked by me, instead of, like, being like, what's your problem, bro? Like, I was, I was nice. I was kind. It's like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, all right. And he went on his way. But... There's fruit when we choose to follow the flesh that manifests in our life. And here it is. Paul lays it out. It's, it's idolatry. It's witchcraft, hatred, discord. You know, all those things. Debauchery, which I don't even know what debauchery is. Debauchery. But it's not good, right? I think it's like partying and all this stuff um, that we fall into these traps. And this is the fruit of it. It's jealousy, fits of rage, like Anger, like outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. Oh, Jesus, help us, right? Dissensions, conflict, factions, fighting, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, Paul's trying to say, wake up, listen. If you choose to follow the flesh, this, these are the things that are going to follow your life. He said, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, now do I believe that means you're not saved, that you won't go to heaven? I don't know that that's what Paul's saying. Maybe he is. Maybe he says, I personally think that what he's saying is that there's an inheritance for the sons of God. And when you live like that, you're not living like a son. You're living like a slave. 
Paul would address that earlier in, in Galatians chapter 5. I encourage you to go home, read it later today. Read it tonight. Read it tomorrow morning in the devotional time. He says, you're not a slave anymore. You're a son. Act like a son, not a slave. <laughs> right? And there are things that the father gives the son as an inheritance that you're going to miss out on if you act like that because you're going to be a slave, not a son. And so you're going to miss out on inheriting these things that God has in the kingdom for you. And here he goes on, and I love the transition in verse 22. Here's the things that you don't inherit if you follow the Spirit. Paul earlier in Romans would say, it's the sons of God that are led by the Spirit of God. And so in verse 22, he said, now here's the fruit if you choose to follow the Spirit. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Forbearance means patience. Anybody use more patience? Amen. Pray for your pastor. Verse 23, gentleness, self-control. I mean, come on, New Year's resolutions. We're all trying to have more self-control. More self-control doesn't come from mustering it up. I'm going to read the Bible every day. I'm going to do it. No, it comes from more of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. He's the one who gives us self-control. Against such things, there is no law. For those who belong to Christ Jesus and have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And here is what I want to hone in on for the rest of our time together in verse 25. And since we live by the Spirit. In other words, God's given you this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. It's what makes your soul, spirit come alive. Since we're living with that Spirit in us, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the time that we have together. God, I pray that you would use it. I pray that your word would be alive and active in your people's lives today. God, I pray that you would use it to convict us, to change us more into your son, Jesus. I give you this time. I'm your mouthpiece. This is your mic. It's your church. I invite you now, Holy Spirit. Come on, church. Would you just do this? Would you just put out your hands and say, I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come now. Speak to me. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, can we take a moment and pray for our nation? God, we thank you for the blessing to be able to live in the United States of America. But God, we have turned away from you as a nation. God, we ask that you would forgive us for turning away from you and that you would hear from heaven and heal our land. God, we pray for those that are serving our country in government. Specifically, I, I pray this morning that, God, that you would fill those that know you with more of your Holy Spirit to give them the courage to take a stand for this nation and to help lead this nation back to you. God, we pray for President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris and their cabinet, all of the government, the House of Representatives and the Senate. Would you move mightily in Washington, D.C.? Would you start a revival in Washington that would sweep across this nation? God, we pray that you would waken your church in this hour to be the church in this hour for such a time as this. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, amen, 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 amen. In step with the Spirit. That's not an easy thing to do, is it? In fact, for some of us, you know, that seems like a really daunting thing. Like, how do we do that? What does that even mean? Um, my beautiful wife, she has always wanted me to take her to dance lessons. <laughs> and, uh, and fellas, just a little reminder from your pastor, uh, Valentine's Day, that is February 14th, by the way, is coming up. So I, I just want to help you to think ahead and bless your wife. And as I started thinking ahead, um, I started thinking, you know, my wife has always wanted to take dance lessons and she likes to dance. And so every once in a while, you know, when uh, the, the, the mood strikes right, I, I've tried to take her and, and I, don't, I don't really dance, you know, but I, I take her by the hand and we try to, you know, dance together. And inevitably, as we start dancing, and I start, start feeling it, you know, starting to feel it, and I get a little bit of a white man's overbite going on. Come on. At the Copa. Come on, you know, little Barry Manilow. And as I start feeling it and start getting into it, um, I start twirling her. 
And, and we have this little, um, little spat between us, little indifference between us, because she, she claims that when I twirl her or go to twirl her, I'm not actually twirling her, I'm twirling myself. So I don't necessarily agree. I'm not saying she's right. I'm not saying she's wrong, but I don't necessarily agree. But either way, I don't really know how to dance with her, and it, and it feels awkward, but we have a fun time with what we know. But one of these days, we're going to learn to dance. Because I, I actually have ingrained in my memory being a young wee lad, and um, I don't know, I was maybe eight, nine years old, and I remember my grandparents, Grandpa and Grandma Danik, and my grandmother she was a dancer. She was a gymnast and a dancer. My grandfather, he had the nickname Dapper Dan for a reason. He was suave, light on his feet, uh, just amazing guy. And I'll never forget watching my grandparents dance to their song, I Get Misty. That was their, that was their wedding song. That was, that was their song. And sometimes every once in a while, they would, they would put that song on. You know, that was when eight tracks and tape recorders. Y'all don't remember those days. But anyway... You got not even iPads anymore. You just got phones. Phones do it all now. But back in the day, you know, you had to put a tape in and play, and they'd put the tape in, and they'd hit play, and they would dance to I Get Misty, and I would just sit there as a, as a young man, like mystified, like in awe of how beautifully they just like, I mean, just together. And I'll never forget the look on my grandmother's face as they stared into each other's eyes and just like this perfect, and she just had the biggest smile on her face. Like she was just enjoying herself and she was just so in love. And my grandfather would gaze into her eyes and it was just the, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And I said, I, I want to be able to do that someday. So baby, it's coming, I promise. <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think that's what Paul is trying to paint this picture that when we engage and we go in step with the Spirit, that we enter into this beautiful waltz of life. That if we'll let Him lead us, that He will lead us into the most joyful, beautiful experiences that we could ever imagine that God can do. But for a lot of us, it just, just like me, it just seems so awkward. How do I follow God like that? How do I be led by his spirit? How, what does it mean to be in step with the spirit of God? So it's more like the Saturday Night Live skit that Jeff Goldblum, um, it was this character who his, his uh, girlfriend, Julia Sweeney, took him to this swanky jazz club and she asked him, hey, you want to dance? And he's like, oh, no, 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 I, I don't dance. <laughs> And she's like, well, why not? She's like, well, you know, it's awkward and people are watching. And so, like, she's like, oh, come on, it will be fun. And you could see, like, he kind of wanted to engage in it. It's, you know, inside, he's like, you know, that would be fun, but I'm more worried about maybe stumbling over your feet, stepping on your foot, looking like a fool and feeling foolish and being uncomfortable than engaging in this, this fun, beautiful thing that we could do. But in that skit, um, it's called Bad Dancer. And... He gets up and he starts dancing and he's like, like dancing like a crazy man. And these guys, Chris Farley being one of them, his character, he comes out after a while. They're all making fun of him. He's like, I think people are laughing at me. She's like, no, 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 they're not. Don't worry about it. But Chris Farley comes out and he's like, hey, everybody, let's do the idiot. And he starts doing the dance that this guy's doing. And he feels so awkward and uncomfortable. And I think oftentimes, for many of us, this is why we never engage in walking with the Spirit. Because we feel uncomfortable, we feel awkward, we're afraid that if we step out in faith, being led by the Spirit, that other people are going to make fun of, we're going to miss it, we're going to fail, we're going to look foolish. And so we never engage in it, we never let go. That was one of the things she was trying to encourage, just, just let go. Just have a good time. Just who cares what other people, you know, think of you and what you look like. And I think that's exactly what the Holy Spirit would try to tell us today is forget about what other people think. That there is this beautiful life that I have laid out for you if you would just choose to be led by me and follow me. So how do we do it? How do we engage in 
being in step with the Spirit. And what does that mean? The first thing that I believe that we need to do is we need to choose who's leading. <laughs> like, two people can't lead. Like, when I'm dancing with my that's probably part of the problem. She, you know, she's trying to lead, I'm trying to lead. Like, who's leading here? Like, you go first, I go first. Like, we got to get on the same page. And I believe this is the first step in being in step with the Spirit, is you got to choose who's leading your life. And for many of us, this is where the problem begins, really. This is the, the heart of the matter, is that we're not being led by the Spirit. We're being led by our feelings. We're being led by our circumstances. We're being led by our friends. For those of us who are in school, our friends lead us more than God leads us. Our checkbook and our desires and our lusts, they lead us more than the Holy Spirit leads us. And so there's this tension that Paul is talking about. Who's in charge of your life? Who's leading your life? Is it me or is it you? Because we both can't lead. So you got a choice and it's one or the other. You're either going to be led by your flesh, which is your own desires, your old man, your own sinful nature. And, and I already told you the results of that. Or you can choose to be led by my spirit. He says this, reminder in verse 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you're not able to do whatever you want. And I am so grateful for that because there's things sometimes I want to do that I start moving in a direction and the Holy Spirit says, no, uh, uh, uh. That's not the way to go, Lance. That's not what I have for you. I, I, I want you to lean into me and to choose me. So here, here's what I, I want to tell you is being led by the Holy Spirit is the difference between what you can do and what only God can do. And for many of us, we want something more for our lives and we know that God has something more. But like Paul was trying to encourage the Galatians, we're trying to make it happen in our own strength and in our ability. And, and Paul's just saying, no, if you would just allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and give you the power, the strength, and the knowledge, and the wisdom, and the truth, and the peace, and the insight, and the revelation, you won't need to try to figure it out. You don't have to. This should free you up. Man, I'm freeing you up this morning. It's not on you. It's on the Holy Spirit. All that's on you is to daily choose whom you're going to serve. You can't serve God and money, right? Jesus used that as an example of this tension. Like, you got to choose who's in charge, who's leading who, who is leading your life. This is the essence of what it means to be a follower of Christ. So if you look at your life, I can guarantee you, look at your checkbook. Look at uh, your calendar. Look at the fruit of your life. In other words, what you're experiencing in your life, because what you choose becomes the life you live. I'll let that sink in a minute. That's better than what you responded. What you choose becomes the life you live. So if you look at your life and you see things that you're not happy with, you're not happy with the way your marriage is, not happy with where you are financially in your life, you're not happy with your, you don't have a career path, you're looking for one, you're just doing a job, but there's no life in it. You're not happy. You're not, you're not getting life out of this. Like when you come to church, I firmly believe you should leave this place full of the Holy Spirit, full of the life of God. And if you're not in a church like that, maybe you're in the wrong church. And maybe if you don't like this about the church, maybe you're in the wrong church here. So how do we do that? How do we be led? Well, you got to choose to be led. The second thing you need to do, though, is you need to listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And for a lot of us, this is where God is, I mean, the enemy of our souls really robbed us, I believe, because he has, he has kept us in a cage of condemnation and kept us in a cage where he's tried to tell us, you can't hear from God. Like, that's pastors hear from God, leaders hear, but he can't speak to me. Now, let me tell you something. I've never heard the audible voice of God but I hear him speak so loudly to me in my spirit. So practically speaking, what does it look like? It doesn't look like, you know, and we want it to look like this, God like writing on the mirror, you know, what he wants to tell us and what he wants us to do. But there's many different ways that God speaks to us, but he is speaking to you. I guarantee you that. I liken it to a radio frequency. 
Right now, there are radio frequency, there are airwaves right now, invisibly, that you cannot see. But if you turn, turn, tune in to 94.3, you're going to hear what that station is saying. So the question becomes, what are you tuned into? I believe that the enemy of our soul is distracting us from hearing the voice of God. Now, I love one of my favorite passages of Scripture is Elijah in the book of Kings when uh, God wants to speak to him. He leads him. He's in this cave, in this dark place, and he, and he, he himself put himself there. He, like, was depressed. He was jacked up, and he went in this cave, and God sovereignly calls him out of the cave. Maybe that's where, even prophetically speaking, some of you today, you are in that place, and the first voice that you hear God say is what he said to Elijah. Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you, in other words, what are you doing in this place? I haven't called you to be here. But you've put yourself in this cave. You put yourself in this dark place. And he calls him out of the cave, and he asks him to stand at the mouth of the cave. And what happens is really interesting. He says, there is uh, an earthquake there's fire, there's all these things that you would think, oh, that's got to be God because that's miraculous. An earthquake is happening. That, that's dramatic. It's got to be God's in that. But it says God wasn't in that. And he wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the fire. He said, but then there was a still, small voice. You see, this world will try to drown out the voice of God. And if we allow it, this is why we got to make time. This is why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is why we, I, I don't want it to be just 21 days for you and for me. I want it to become a lifestyle where we put away our devices. We put away social media. We put away binging on Netflix. We put away whatever we need to put away that is robbing us of hearing the voice of God, and we lean in. A few years ago, um, my wife and I got invited to a pastor's retreat for married couples, and so um, it was in Northern California at this amazing lodge called Scotts River Lodge, and it was just a great time. And my wife and I, we went to this, and part of, part of the purpose for going to this retreat for the ministry is they want to strengthen marriages in ministry, realizing that so many ministries uh, get taken out by the enemy because he attacks their marriage. And so you need a strong marriage if you're going to be in ministry. I could just tell you that right now, because ministry pulls on you so much and it's so um, intense, and you have to devote so much time to it that unless you intentionally do some things to sow into your marriage, it just it, it, it's in danger. And so, and that's real. And then the ministry, knowing that, they created you know workshops for strengthening your marriage. But they did this exercise that was actually pretty cool. What they did was they blindfolded all the men, and there's probably eight couples, maybe ten couples, and they blindfolded all the men. They put us in the corner. Don't put baby in the corner. So they put the men in the corner. And, and then they had the wives stand against the far side of the wall in this pretty good-sized room. And then they arranged furniture strategically throughout the room. And what they told us had to happen was the wives had to yell to the husbands and give them directions on how to get to them without killing themselves in the room. And so... They said, one, two, three, and all of a sudden, all, all the wives started yelling directions, and there is just chaos, pandemonium, uh, you know, in the room, men yelling back to their wives, why, I can't hear you, and, you know, what way, left, no, and poof, yeah, no, not that way, and, um, and by the way, your pastor's won, we came in first, holla at your boy, and it, and, and the thing was, is I had to really concentrate and lean in, in in the sea of noises and confusion. I had to intentionally try to tune in to the voice that I knew, the voice that was familiar to me. And so this is where, for many of us, this is where you build your personal relationship with the Holy Spirit over time. And over time, you get to know His voice. But you'll never know his voice if you don't lean in and want to hear his voice and choose to hear his voice and make room for his voice in your life. Just like my grandparents, they didn't get that good over time. It, this was 50 years in the making of learning 
their moves, learning when my grandfather was leaning in this way, my, my grandmother would lean in with him. And over time, they learned to do this beautiful waltz, but it takes time. And I believe that you can hear the Holy Spirit now, but here's the thing that you have to do along with hearing the Holy Spirit. You have to step out in faith. Because when you think you hear God, if you don't obey that prompting and step out in faith, you'll never know if it was God. And this is where a lot of us get stuck. So here's another something that I like to say. The Holy Spirit will lead you into what you need to know and where you need to go. The Holy Spirit will lead you into what you need to know and where you need to go. But you need to hear his voice. You need to tune into it. Can I tell you that God has given you a guidebook for life in the Bible, and he's given you a personal guide in the helper of the Holy Spirit. You have a personal guidance counselor that is with you, this paraclete, my friend Cletus, that is on my side every single moment of every single day that wants to lead you, guide you, speak to you, show you things, lead you into this great adventure called following Jesus. And there's so much there that we're so afraid. We're so afraid to step out in faith. But let me tell you something. There are things that are right in front of you right now that you don't see that you need your personal guide. I love that we have a guidebook to life in the Bible. And this is why we need to know this word. This is the Logos that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Out of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this book was written. But we are not relegated just to the written word. Thank God for that. We have the Rhema word. The rhema word is the now word. It's the God-breathed word. It is the word that God wants to speak to you now. And you could even experience reading the logos, the God-inspired word, and the rhema word, because while you're reading the logos, God is through the rhema speaking to you about the logos and activating it in your life. And some of us need a rhema word even today. That's why I love that we're at church like Thursday night. We got together on Empower Night and the gifts of the Spirit were moving. God was speaking prophetically through people, praying for people. People got filled with the Holy Spirit. People got healed. They got um, rhema words spoken to them that encouraged them. And I'm so grateful to be a part of an amazing group of people that call Hope Church their home and partnered with us to see God move in this valley. But we're too afraid. That's the problem. We're too afraid that we're going to look foolish. We're going to step out in faith. We're going to do something, and we're going to miss God. Oh, I didn't hear that. That was a bad burrito. I must not have missed that one. But let me give you some encouragement this morning out of Isaiah chapter 30. He says this, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Now, people read this, and they think the Holy Spirit's telling you which way to walk. And he'll lead and do that. But I believe what this verse is saying is that when you start going down a wrong path that maybe you think God is leading you on and it's not the right way, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, no, 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 that's not the way. This is the way. Walk in it. And so we can be encouraged that even if we're a little nervous about following a, a leading or a prompting of the Holy Spirit in our life, that when we step out in faith and do it, even if we fail, even if we mess up, even if we didn't really hear God, the Holy Spirit's going to come up behind you and say, no, 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 that's not the right way to go. But this is. And be in step with me. I'm going to show you. I'll never forget, um, my daughter was about eight years old. And I believe it was on her birthday. And um, I have this picture that comes up sometimes in my memories. You know how that happens? And every time it comes up, I get choked up because it's a picture of her. She's about eight years old, has this beautiful dress on. It's the summertime because her birthday's August 1st. And we're on my back deck and we're dancing together. Hold it together, Lance. I'm not going to do it. And we're dancing and her feet are on my feet. And as I'm moving, she's moving with me. And it's a beautiful picture, I believe, of what we're supposed to do with the Holy Spirit. I'm not standing on my own. I'm standing on the very word of God. And standing on that word of God, there's a proverb that says that, that there'll be a light 
to your path, like right in front of you, God is going to show you where to step. If you will just lean on his word and stand on the word of God as he speaks it to you through the logos or the rhema, that he's going to lead you and guide you and you'll be in step with the spirit. I want to play, we're, we're getting close to the end, but before, before we close, um, we've got an amazing testimony video that I want to share with you about a man who came to our church about a year and a half ago. And he had never been a part of a church that talked about the Holy Spirit. And so as he was experiencing the Holy Spirit, um, somebody just like you, sitting just like you are, in a service just like this, they felt the Holy Spirit. They heard the Holy Spirit tell them something about this person, and they shared it with them. And I want you to hear the story of the result of that. Hi, I'm Evan Holmes, and this is my story about how I uh, encountered the Holy Spirit. My wife and I and my family moved here um, in 2020. All my life previously, we lived in Wyoming, and I grew up as a, uh, a pastor's son. So I um, have experienced all of the uh, the whole gamut of church life. Um, a lot of a lot of head knowledge, um, all the you know read the Bible cover to cover, um, all that. But I have had never really had a moment um, where that faith was real to me um, and where I encountered God in a personal, special, um, miraculous way. In 2020, when we moved up here, I had, uh, I had begun to drift away from God for many years. I had never had a direct experience um, with the Holy Spirit or with um, a God, the God of the Bible that is, the, is powerful. Um, I had always read the New Testament about Jesus working miracles and um, turning water into wine and, and wondered why I didn't see that in my life. And I began to really doubt that God could do that still. Um, you know, God's in the Bible, but he's not here. He's not with me. Um, so I began to really start going down the path of atheism um, and, and just disbelief in, in all of it. I came very, very close to just completely walking it away, away from it all. But one day in, uh, in 2020, um, my daughter, Avery, um, came to me and she said, Dad, can you tell me about Jesus? And it just crushed me, just wrecked me because was I going to lie to her and tell her that Jesus is this wonderful person your mother and I believe in and, and want you to follow? Or was I going to tell her the truth that I had begun to doubt God? I was able at that moment to just cry out to God and say, God, if you're real, I, I need to see you outside of the Bible. I've read the Bible. I know what it says. I, I have the head knowledge of you, but I need to see you outside of the Bible. I can't do this anymore. And I was basically at rock bottom. Later that week, um, it was a Sunday here at Hope Church, and I had, I had been praying and asking God, if you're real, please show yourself to me. And um, so that Sunday came, the, the message, Lance preached, the message was, was through, and we were just about to leave. But I had a feeling in my heart that I was supposed to stay for a little while. Um, and I was talking with some gentlemen, and right at that moment, um, a wonderful, wonderful lady came up behind me and tapped me on the shoulder. And when I turned around to face her, she, she got all bright, her face lit up, and she said, it's you. God showed me you in a vision, Evan. And he showed me that you were, that you were seeking him, that you needed him. And at that moment, 
I was baptized by the Holy Spirit, um, which is something I'd never even heard of before. So I know it was real because I'd never, I'd never, how I grew up in the, the circles I grew up in, that was not a thing. God did that in the Old Testament, but I had never, I did not know what that meant. Um, but my, my body basically caught on fire um, and my knees got weak and I just started weeping uncontrollably. And that moment was the most real, closest moment I've ever experienced with God. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that God ordained that moment and he did that specifically to show me his love and that he was still there and that he was a God outside of the Bible as well. And that was the, the first time I encountered the Holy Spirit like that and I've never been the same since then. I love that testimony, but let me tell you something. That testimony doesn't happen if you don't do this last thing, which is follow his lead. So we can hear from God, but oftentimes if we're going to be honest with each other, we hear more than we're obedient to. We hear more than we are willing to step out in faith and encourage. And I'm so grateful to be a part of a church with people who have the faith and the courage follow his lead because here's what happened that moment that you just heard about may have never happened if it wasn't for somebody actually stepping out in faith and following the leading and the inspiration and what I like to call it the prompting of the Holy Spirit that's when you just get this impression that you know God is leading you to do something. Like people got baptized today because the Holy Spirit's just impressing upon your heart, is prompting you to do something, to say something. But oftentimes in that moment, we have a choice. Are we going to step out in faith and see what God can do with the faith that we bring? Or are we gonna do what Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, which is quench the Spirit. See, God put a fire inside of you. He baptized you, filled you with this Holy Spirit. And that word quench actually means to extinguish. It means to uh, quench or of a fire or things on fire to go out. So this is what happens. God starts moving in your life and you feel his life. You feel his, his power. You feel sometimes even like Evan just said, the fire of God. Like you just feel so strongly. God's moving and it's exciting. And then he speaks to you to do something. And when you don't follow his lead, it's like you're stomping out that fire. You're stomping on the foot of the Holy Spirit who's trying to lead you into something miraculous. So here's my encouragement to you. Don't stomp the prompt. Don't stomp the prompt. When the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something, instead of stomping it out, just say yes. Your servant is here, willing to obey. Must step out in faith. And this is what builds your faith over time. As you step out and obey those promptings, the Holy Spirit starts building your faith because you see God move just like he moved in Evan's life. I'm going to close with this story of a lady who was a journalist and she, she felt prompted by the Lord to leave her job, walk away, high-paying job to, um, to work for a nonprofit called the Dream Center. The Dream Center is this amazing ministry that ministers to the homeless and the broken and, and down and out prostitutes, drug dealers, you name it. And one morning in her prayer time, she was praying and she felt an unusual prompting by the Holy Spirit. She felt the Holy Spirit say, put some woolly socks in your, uh, in your bag to take to work that day. She's like, okay, that's weird. Maybe that was the pizza I had last night. Maybe that's, that's just kind of weird, but she couldn't shake it. It was so heavy. She decided, all right, why not? She took her woolly socks, put them in her uh, pocketbook, and she headed down to the Dream Center. Well, she was actually the first person there. And as she 
walked up to the main entryway, there was this lady that was passed out in front of the doors. Actually, she was a prostitute, had no place else to go. And she laid right in front of the doors and she opened up the door and she picked her up and she brought her inside and she got a blanket, put it over her. She was freezing, she was, body was shaking, shivering, and she was like unconscious. And as she came to consciousness, the lady was just stroking her hair, just letting the Holy Spirit love her through her. And she looked at her and she said, if there's anything in the world that you would want me to do for you right now, what would it be? She says, do you have any woolly socks? She just lost it. It's right there, it broke down. Reached into her pocketbook and put those woolly socks on her. The lady said, oh look, they even match my outfit. (laughs) Spoken like a true woman. How many moments like that have you and I missed in our life? We can either live in the best that we can do, or we can lean into the help of the Holy Spirit to do what only God can do. It's the difference between the natural and the supernatural, the ordinary or the extraordinary, the mundane or the miraculous. You get to choose. So what's the choice gonna be? How do you want the fruit of your life to go? I know for me in my house, I don't want to miss a moment like that. One of my greatest fears is getting to heaven someday and God's showing me on this big screen in heaven moments in my life where I missed hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit or missed obeying his voice and I missed a moment. Maybe there's people that that need Jesus that are hurting, they're broken, and only you can be the voice of God to them to help lead them. But you have to be willing to choose to be led of the Holy Spirit to follow his lead, listen for his voice. How many of you would say today, by standing to your feet, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm tired of trying to live my life on my own. I want that for my life. See, it's bold steps of faith and putting it into action that releases the supernatural power of God into our life sometimes. That's why it never ceases to amaze me. We have amazing prayer ministry team. Every single Sunday it's waiting up here. And some of you, you write things on it, but you never come up. It's awkward, you're afraid. God is ready to meet you and me. So I just wanna close by praying over you. Let me tell you this, if you're here today, if you're watching online, and you've never made a decision to enter into a relationship with Jesus, that's where this journey begins. That's where the dance begins. You say, I'm tired of dancing on my own. I'm ready to follow your lead, God, and surrender my life to you. And you can make that decision right here, right now. And you could pray a prayer with one of our uh, ministry team members who are, are trained on how to lead you into that relationship with God. And you can mark it on the back of that Connect card and we'll pray for you and we'll help you. For the rest of us, Right now, we need to make a decision. Who are we going to follow? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to lift your hands to heaven right now. Just lift your hands. In your heart, just begin to thank God for the life that he's given you. Thank him that he's brought you back to life. Thank you for the life that he gives you and continually gives you, continually pours out to you. Some of you, I really believe on this 21st day of prayer and fasting, today's a day of breakthrough. Today's the day that if you will listen right now to the Holy Spirit, that's why we intentionally create moments in our service to just be still before the Lord. What is God speaking to you right now, right to your heart? He's speaking something. He's speaking something to you. He's speaking something to you and you and you and you and you. Let's give him permission. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to speak to us, to have your way. Right now, Father, I pray for every single person here. God, that you would move powerfully in their life. I pray that you continue to pour out your spirit on them. God, I pray for some of them today that you're stirring and you're speaking to them to come forward, that you want to baptize them in your Holy Spirit. You want to pour your spirit out on them. You want to break off sin patterns and old habits and things that are holding on to the grip of the past, 
holding on to them. Condemnation needs to be broken off. Shame needs to be broken off. Guilt needs to be broken off. In the name of Jesus, I take all authority over every unfoul, unclean spirit and everything that would try to come against your sons and your daughters in the name of Jesus. And I release you, Holy Spirit, to have your way. Thank you for joining us for this week's message at Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support this ministry by going to hopechurchmt.com give. Also, follow us on social media at HopeChurchMT. Thanks again for watching and have a very blessed week.